0: Ron and Anian. We've got to be prepared. You know, when the emergency happens, when that car gets stuck on the side of the road, you may not have time to find the four way flashers. You may have to flick them on right away. It may become a matter of life and death, and it's a huge safety risk if you're not familiar with the vehicle.
1: Doctor. I okayed the work, and then later I thought, why did I do that? You know, it just seemed like an upsell later. I probably, I feel like I got ripped off. So I thought, I'm
0: calling the car doctor. Yeah, I don't think I agree with them on this, Lori. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to. For their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. How long can a repair actually take? Hello and welcome, Ron and Annie in the car, Dr. 855-560-9900. You've welcomed You've entered the land of the Repair of the Week. 2006 Acura MDX came into the shop at RE Automotive in January of 2012 with a dead battery. battery was stone dead. We had replaced it two and a half years earlier, and we ended up putting a battery in it. Couldn't find a drain, couldn't find a draw. Nothing wrong with it. Just, gee, could it be a bad new battery? Ever since, three years since we did that battery, every once in a while, that car still showed up. Complaints of low cranking ability and poor power when they hit the key. And just the, the 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 complaints that are reminiscent of a battery that's low on charge. One bad new battery I could buy. Two bad new batteries? I know what new means. Never, ever worked. But, yeah, come on. I was fortunate, though, this week because it ended up on my doorstep. Matter of fact, it was the Monday right after vacation. Remember that vacation I went on? Now I know why. I had to recover for this car. And it ended up on my doorstep with a dead battery again. And after some review of the records, because, and we don't talk about that enough, you know, part of the repair process is looking at what's been done, and it generally gives you a direction on where you have to go. I I knew from this vehicle's history that starting in 2009, it had a battery put in it. In 2012, that replacement battery died. And now about two and a half, three years later, it was on the verge of needing another battery. So unless we want to believe the entire battery industry has fallen off the edge of a cliff, then regardless of what battery we put in that, and obviously I replaced it with a power frame grid technology battery because... We've all come to understand the quality and what a power frame grid technology battery is. I knew that I had to find the source of the drain. I had to find out why this battery was being pulled down. It was lucky that when I first took up my ammeter, I was reading almost a quarter-amp drain. Now, understand, it's all about numbers. It's math when it comes to auto repair, especially with electrical stuff. In terms of a drain, 50 milliamps. 0.05, five hundredths of an amp is considered okay on a computer car. It's allowed to have a certain amount of draw. And a lot of times when engineers sit down and calculate out, well, not a lot of times, but all the time when engineers sit down and calculate out, hey, what kind of battery do we need and the amp hour rating and all the other electrical specs, consideration for modules and load and off-key drain are always considered as part and parcel of that. In the case of this Acura, I had way more than five hundredths of an amp. I had a quarter of an amp, 0.25. The simplest way to find a drain, time-tested, the way we've always done it, is start pulling fuses. Well, I got lucky within the first 45 minutes, and I say it like that because this particular Acura had three fuse boxes. It had two under the hood and one under the driver's side of the dash. And I take that back because I still never confirmed I think there was also one in the passenger side kick panel that I was yet to find. I think there was four fuse boxes in this car. But I found the fuse I was looking for in the second of the three fuse boxes. So I I sort of stopped there. And at that point, it was just a matter of frustration because I should have gone and checked all the fuses. But my theory has always been you find one, start the game from there. It was fuse number 10 in the sub fuse panel under the hood. 7.5-amp fuse that when you read the wiring diagram goes right to the engine computer, PCM. Wow, look at that. How could that be? Gee, you know, you would think it would have a running issue or you would think it would just not be a battery issue all by itself, I'm thinking to myself. When I read the diagram, it said that that particular fuse, fuse number 10, seven and a half amp kept the PCM alive. It was main battery input to the PCM. But what if the wiring diagram... Now, how could this happen? Be lying to me. What if that wasn't the only thing on that circuit? And when you sit and look at the diagram, it says, this is it, straight shot. Starts here, ends here. But if you read the fine print in the wiring diagram, it says, with a magnifying glass, because you're an old mechanic, see diagram 10-17. So you go to diagram 10-17. Diagram 10-17 says that fuse number 10, 7.5 amp, under her fuse box. Say that three times fast. Also goes to the tire pressure monitoring receiver, oh, goody. And the Bluetooth hands-free control link, or in Acura language, the BTHCL, and that's just what it said, BTHCL. That took me 30 minutes to look up and find out, what in good God's name is a BTHCL? Because everybody must know it's a Bluetooth Hands Control Link. I was like, yeah, okay. One by one, you got to go through components. Now, you say to yourself, "Is it the PCM?" Well, to unplug the PCM, that's a little bit of work. You got to do some digging to get to it. The easiest component to get to was the BT. H-F-C-L. I I think I said that wrong before. The Bth, the Bluetooth hands-free control link. That's right. To do that, I only had to take down the interior puddle lights for the uh, by the sunroof, the sunroof control, and there was one more piece of trim and garnish. Uh, about 35 minutes later, I was there and down. And I'm looking at the 22-pin green connector for the Bluetooth hands-free. Unplug it. Draw's gone. The bottom line becomes. That it's not the the fantasy and the magic of oh goody I fixed one more car with an electrical draw. The star of this repair of the week is the wiring diagrams. Wiring diagrams are so darn critical to this business, whether you're doing it as a professional or whether you're doing it as, as, as a weekend warrior. And God bless you if you are. It has come to the point, and we've passed the point really, and we passed this point easily 8 to 10 years ago, that when you're dealing with electrical, looking at the one wiring diagram for the fuse, in the case of the Acura, it was diagrammed by number 23-1. You have to go look at 10-17. You had to go look at 10-6. You had to go look at 23-2. I had to look at four different wiring diagrams to see everything that I needed to see in that picture on a vehicle with four fuse boxes. So the next time, The next time you pull into your repair shop and go, you know, I was using my cell phone adapter and the cigarette lighter no longer works. I blew a fuse. Can you just pop one in for me? The only thing we pop in is people in the pool if they're standing too close. And in that case, you get all wet. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie, in the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Just another way of looking at auto repair, folks. That's what this radio show is all about. And um, we will be back right after this to take your calls. Don't go away. Welcome back. What an Indian, The Car Doctor, rolling along this hour. Let's kick those garage doors open, and uh, let's go over and talk to Tony from Queens, New York. Tony, welcome back to The Car Doctor, sir. I remember your car, 69 Mustang. How are you today, and what can we do for you? Tony? The
1: problem, when shifting from first to second, the clutch pedal sticks to the floor. Okay. Um, I've always managed to get it up. I put my toe underneath it and pop it back up. But I was just wondering what the possible reasons are, and I guess I'm headed for a complete replacement.
0: Only only when you're shifting first to second, Tony, or in, yeah, general, when, in general when you're using the clutch at all?
1: Um, generally, I've only had it happen shifting from first to second. Okay. Second to third's okay. Third to fourth seems to be okay. I mean, it's not a daily driver, so that could have something right. to do with it also, but
0: Let's 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 talk about this like it was a daily driver for a minute. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll attack it from that angle. If this was a daily driver, part of the conversation would be: are, are the mounts in good condition? Engine mounts, trans mounts, and and I realize to say that to the guy with the classic Mustang is a ridiculous comment, but just from a general education point of view, you're always looking at mounts: is the engine sitting square? you know because the relationship of how the engine sits in the chassis to the linkage itself is is, is, is very critical. If anything is out of line, if the z bar, right. if the fork, if anything isn't square like it's supposed to be, it can affect clutch release operation and clutch operation in general. So that being said, I just want to get that off my chest. Right. You know the next thing I want to think about is I've got a vehicle in your case that sits a little bit. you don't drive it every right. day. Do we, right. have, do we have the beginnings of a pressure plate that's starting to bind? And that's possible. I've seen it. Uh, where the plate itself, the fingers itself, the plate's collapsing, the plate doesn't have the proper tension on it, it can't throw back anymore, and that could very well be why. My, my curiosity is why only first to second. I, I still think this is a clutch issue, Tony, but what, right. I, what I would ask you to try and do is... From first to second, you're driving at a certain RPM, a certain load, right? Agreed? Right. When you go second to third, you've got your foot into it a little bit more. The engine's got less of a load on it. And it, it just, you, you've changed the environment. I would try to drive it the same first to second, or from two to three as you would first to second, if you know what I'm saying. And, right, and, right. Okay. And, and can you duplicate the condition? Okay. Right. Uh, of course, this is also... You know, maybe first to second is the only spot you're feeling it or engaging it, and it just doesn't happen at higher RPM uh, because it doesn't want to. Is the linkage intact? Is the linkage worn? Is the linkage properly lubricated? Is, you know, this is a mechanical clutch. There's there's not right. much else here. It's it's right. either in the linkage under the dash, the Z bar itself, the fork, the mechanism, the throwout bearing, the way it slides on the collar of the trans. Although that shouldn't right, be right. first and second gear only. And then the one common denominator that's the most common is the plate itself is starting to fail. How old is the clutch?
1: Um, it's it's got to be about uh, twelve, twelve years.
0: Right. You know, and yeah. and it it sort of doesn't matter mileage because if you told me five thousand miles in twelve years, then I'd start to think about rust spots on the pivot point of the plate itself, and is that causing it to bind and fail? Always a possibility. Right. So, all right, sir. Um, Okay. All right, Tony, if you need me, listen, if you need me, if you get it apart, you want you have questions, you want to send me some pictures or something, ron at cardoctorshow.com. All right, sir? Okay, thanks a lot, Ron. You're, you're very welcome. You take good thanks. care. By the way, everybody, for our Car Doctor Faithful out there, next weekend, let me just point out real quick, Labor Day weekend, I believe that's going to be September the 5th, that's Saturday. Next Saturday, we are going to be at the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey. We're going to be out there with the Dead Man's Curve Car Club as they put on their big hot rod weekend for Labor Day. We're going to be out there Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, doing this radio show live out in front of the hotel. We're going to bring the whole crew, a bunch of extras. Uh, Black's coming. We're bringing Black 2, too. And um, we're going to be uh, out there doing a radio show, interviewing, talking to people, taking questions from the crowd, and in general just having a great time. So for another Car Doctor road trip, if you're in the area of Mawa, New Jersey, here today gone to Mawa yuck 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 um as as i would say to my wife little joke and she would hold up her thumb and forefinger and go yeah real little so time to get back to the phones. let's go over to line two and talk to john 2000 subaru and some coolant issues john aren't i a funny guy john come on now be nice to me (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah you're good all right sir what's going on
0: all right listen that's let's not get overboard here so um what can i do for you
1: well, I've had diagnostic and everything else done, but it, the antifreeze is filling up the overflow bottle on long trips. But when you let it cool down for a day or two, it doesn't suck it back over. Okay. And it doesn't leak it internally or externally.
0: All right. So, are you are you physically adding coolant?
1: Nope. I don't even have to add coolant. Okay. I just got to take out the overflow to put it back in the radiator when it's cool. So the radiator has antifreeze in it, and it just pushes it right back into the overflow.
0: Okay, two things that I've seen where Subarus won't recover from the coolant bottle, all right? One is it's either a bad radiator cap or a bad new radiator cap, and I've seen that more often than not. So if you've replaced the radiator cap with something out of the aftermarket that's not of great quality, then that's a potential problem. And you know, it's the other thing is that the hose itself that goes into the overflow bottle is soft and it it collapses on suction. It kind of just pulls itself shut and it won't pull any coolant back up the tube as the vehicle cools off.
1: Well, the hose doesn't isn't you know collapse or nothing. I've went through about four or five radiator caps new.
0: Okay and is um, is is the port it. It, is the port itself clear yep all right then you've got something that's defying the laws of physics because regardless of what kind of car it is if the cooling system's clean if the if the radiator cap is working properly and for a better description of what that cap's supposed to do you'll find more information at stant.com and i'm kind of hoping well well i'm i'm hoping you're not going to say you put a stant on it but i'm hoping you go out and try a stant cap because I know a stant radiator cap is going to be something of quality equivalent to the OE and making right. sure that tube is clear. But if you're using a white box radiator cap, very common that they create this exact problem.
1: What- yeah, because when it's hot, it, as it's cooling down, you can turn the cap a little bit and it'll bubble over into the overflow. You can hear the pressure of it. Right. Right. Until all the bubbles are out of the overflow, but there, and there's no air bubbles or anything else.
0: Well, why in the
1: system it just doesn't suck back over? Well,
0: if this, let me ask. I don't understand something. If the vehicle is hot and you're opening right. the cap a little bit, why are we dispersing air bubbles? Where do the air bubbles come from? If it's a, if it's a full system, it shouldn't have air in it.
1: I guess it's the pressure that's inside the radiator that gives the air I'm doing that part. Yeah, where'd the air come? But other than from? that, when it's cooled down it doesn't have no pressure or air bubbles like that.
0: Well you right, can just
1: but, take everything out and yeah, but back here, wait over. A,
0: back up a second. Where'd the air come from? Back up your theory. Explain it to me. How does a hot radiator develop air bubbles? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know either 'cause I've never seen that. Um. If it's a. If it's yeah. A, if it's a I mean, seal. I've
1: even filled up the overflow bottle and filled up the radiator, so it wouldn't push the antifreeze over in the overflow when it got hot, and on long trips, but um, it just. Then it didn't leak it all out. Okay. Or, or it must have pushed it out of the overflow, since it might have had too much, but it just stayed where, the radiator eventually ended up having an empty emptiness to whenever it cooled down that you could put it back over in the radiator. Hey, John,
0: how clean is the coolant in this car? How clean is the cooling system? Whistle clean. Clean. All right, the clock's going to take me. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is, A, where's the air coming from? Actually, two things. A, where's the air coming from? And B, is that overflow tube that drops down into the expansion tank, is it too long and it's clogging itself down at the bottom of the bottle? Not allowing withdrawal. I have seen that also where the hose is stretched for some reason or perhaps it's been replaced. It is 15 years old. Some things to go and look at. Let me know. I'm Ronanini and the car doctor. Back right after this. The Car Doctor, phone number 0855-560-9900, here to take your calls and answer your questions. Real quick piece of commentary. So I had blackout last night and uh, kind of barreled along 287 here in New Jersey and had a grand old time. And I want to tell the guy in the Toyota Corolla, if he's listening today, and I'm not really quite sure, but I figured he's a car guy, that uh, pulling up next to a hot rod, cruising down the hot road, hot rod, uh, cruising down the road, And uh, one hand on the wheel and one hand using your cell phone to videotape the car at speed is not a great idea and does make the driver of said hot rod very, very nervous. So next time, uh uh-uh, don't try and keep up with me, please. Stay away. Let's get on back to the phones. Let's go talk to Charlie in Iowa, 2004 Mercury Monterey and some issues. Charlie, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Thank you. Welcome. What's going on?
2: Okay, we got an '04 Mercury Monterey van, Right. the 4.2-liter V6. V6 engine yep. Yep. that has a squealing noise up in the front of the engine, and it turned out it wasn't an alternator or a water pump. Was and it, uh, was it we the... think probably it might be a timing chain.
0: Okay, does this does this engine have the cam synchronizer? I can't
2: really tell you on that. It's a single-cam uh, pushrod engine. Right.
0: Uh is there just just before you go digging anything else apart? Um, always be certain if this is the four generation. If this has the half a distributor sticking in the intake manifold with a sensor on top, that is the cam position sensor. Mm-hmm. And it's possible in 2004 they still had that. If it's a chirping noise, it sounds like a bad bearing. Then I would bet my money on that. And if you listen with a mechanic stethoscope, you'll be more than likely to hear it and pick it apart. But what's oh. your what's your question to me?
2: Oh yeah, we were wondering if it wouldn't be the cam or the the uh, timing the timing chain for that. Uh, I'm I'm looking at it here to see if uh, I can see the distributor, but I don't see a distributor. Well, you won't
0: see a distributor. You'll see a either in the front of the motor or the back of the motor. More than likely, in the rear of the motor, you will see something that looks like they took a distributor and cut the top off and it's just going to have a sensor on it with three wires a little black round sensor with two eleven thirty-second bolts holding it to the top or two eight millimeters holding it to the top and if that's the case that is a cam synchronizer and you will find that that is more than likely the cause if that's what we're chasing
2: uh, okay uh, and this uh you do think maybe the bearing might be bad on that?
0: Too. Well, yeah, that's and that's a that's a case of you replace that cam synchronizer. And actually, thinking about it, that's that that chirping. I bet it's from the front of the engine, and you're going to find the synchronizer buried down underneath the uh, front, wherever the uh, uh, underneath in the area of the coil pack, if I remember correctly. Because I think I think it's okay. in a, I think it's in a bad okay. spot to get to.
2: Well, that sounds better than having to put a chain on. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, and, and again, so let's 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 prove your theory. If you think the chain is bad and it's it's squeaky, the timing chain the timing chain is bathed in oil. If the chain is that dry that it's squeaky, you've got bigger problems than a timing chain because where'd all the oil go and why doesn't it have oil pressure? protecting it oh
2: yeah right so okay. you know
0: let's we're gonna we're, we're gonna make this everybody's gonna have to back up their theories today here on the car doctor so we're gonna make you think about it i would i would take a very hard look uh for a cam synchronizer just imagine a distributor cut in half charlie you're looking for the oh, i see i see it i yep, see it here there it is I'm at it. okay mm-hmm. i bet you if you put a long screwdriver on there be mindful of the fan and other moving components And listen, you know, like we did in the old days, listen through the screwdriver handle. I bet you you'll hear that thing chirping like mad.
2: Okay, then we could pull that out then. Right. Now, now,
0: and, and if that is the piece, all right, understand that when you pull that out, you have to be very careful because you have to index that synchronizer back into the engine in the exact position. All right,
2: and, and then and then the housing to the block. Then correct,
0: also, yeah, sure. correct. Mm-hmm. So what I what I do when I do the synchronizers, there there is a special Ford tool for this, and each engine's a little different. I do have the tools for most of these. When I run into one that I don't have the synchronizer lockdown for, what I will do is I will put the, I will hand crank the engine and put the vane, There is a singular vein. All right, or an index inside that synchronizer, I will put it in an exact spot. I will take a magic marker. I will mark the synchronizer to the housing, the housing to the block, so it can only go back in. It's got to be there. All right? Right. And and at that point, I haven't lost my reference. Because if if you follow procedure, Ford's going to tell you to bring the engine around to top dead center. And if I'm not mistaken, you probably can't see top dead center on that engine. It's so buried in that vehicle. <laughs> they don't have timing
2: marks
1: anymore. Right.
0: They? And by now, on a 2004, if there were marks there, they're rusted over and they're gone. So we're, we're going to make our <laughs> oh, own marks.
2: Oh, by the way, it
3: does have around 160,000 on
2: it. I okay. Guess. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, let's... Um, I'd be willing to bet that's it. All right, sir. Will you give us a call back? Let us know. If not, we'll keep you going. We'll tell you what else it could be.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. You're
0: very welcome, Charlie. You take good care. Um, By the way, I just want to do a quick shout-out to Bob. Bob stopped by the shop yesterday. He's a regular listener to The Car Doctor, and uh, he's been a customer for many years. We've seen him and enjoyed having conversation, and it was with great thrill and pride as he said to me, Hey, Ron, you got time to clean my K&N air filter? I haven't had time to. He was in for state inspection and took it apart, and it's amazing how much debris a K&N air filter can hold and still let the engine run um, it, it was it was like we just took the, the the Sequoia National Forest out of Bob's air box and shook it out cleaned it out washed it with the K&N filter cleaner let it soak then took it over to the sink a little bit of warm water and gently washed it nowhere Bob asked me he says hey would you do this with air no you don't want to disturb the the filter element of the filter washed it let it soak in some water cleaned it Oiled it. Within a half hour, everything was put back together nice and shiny, new, freshly oiled, and down the road. So, uh, yeah, you know, there's one one abused air filter, and I, I say that with love. Bob's just been a busy guy the past couple of years, and uh, imagine forgetting about your air filter for a couple of years, and you can clean it up and put it together and... Uh, you know, away you go. So um, just uh, a tip of the hat to K&N and the folks. If you want to see what they're all about, get out to knfilters.com. dot com eight five five I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
2: it ain't worth
1: nothing. Who's going to
0: drive you home tonight? Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More information about this radio show at cardoctorshow.com. Let's get over to Russell, St. Augustine, Florida. Some kind of a lifter tap 2002 Chevy Avalanche. Russell, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Yeah, it doesn't show it's noise until you get around 1,700 to 2,000 RPM. Then you can hear that. I was wondering why it kicks up at that RPM.
0: Okay. Let me ask you this. Any morning lights on on the dashboard?
3: Not at all. First, like a kitten. Okay. Got full power.
0: Oil pressure?
3: Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Um, Oil pressure at idle?
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm pulling I'm 45 pounds according to the gauge.
0: All right. Uh, two things. There is a bulletin from General Motors. Have you seen this, 0206, No. That talks about engine lifter noise at various RPMs for aerated oil. You probably want to get your hands on this. Okay. Right? This talks about problems with the O-ring seal between the oil pump screen and the oil pump itself. And one of the tests, the bulletin kind of walks you through it. One of the tests is they want you to go through and check oil pressure at a couple of different RPM ranges, and the concern is that if oil pressure is low, and if it doesn't show correctly on a mechanical gauge, not the gauge on the dashboard, then there's a reasonable chance that you have a problem with that oil pump O-ring. Now, we have also seen some cases with engine sludge and sludge clogging the oil pump or restricting, and it's also about volume. And this just could be a plain old-fashioned oil starvation, lift or tap issue, and, you know, how clean is the inside of the engine. We've got to have that conversation. But if I was going to look someplace first, I would start this diagnosis with an oil pressure test. And if if need be, get your hands on this bulletin and take a look and uh, follow it and start talking about that oil pump O-ring. Not an easy job. Uh, it's a good couple of, uh, it's a Saturday afternoon and better um, <laughs> to do. Uh, been there, done that, but it's not uncommon.
3: Now, the uh, foul sludge, I highly doubt that because it's, uh, I've owned it since 36 on the clock. Right. And I've changed the oil every three to five on it.
0: Okay. Then, yeah, that's good. And, you, and you're and you using a good, good brand, uh, a consistent weight of oil on a regular basis? Sure.
3: I'm yeah. using what GM recommends, 5W.
0: W twenty. Okay, then I would I would I would think hard and take a look at that bulletin because I'm going to think it's more than likely um, uh, if it's a lifter issue, if it's a lifter starvation, the oil's foaming. You know, does it does it go away above 2,000 RPM, Russell?
3: I, you're doing going down the highway at seventy. At seventy, she's turning oh about seventeen hundred to two grand. Um, and I do have a dual exhaust on it with a full master on it. So it's it sort of drowns it out somewhat, but I can still hear it.
0: Right. You know, what, what makes you think, and I'm going to, I'm going to just be devil's advocate here for a second. What makes you think it's engine? Uh,
3: because if I sit there, if I sit it in, in neutral or park and rev up the motor, I can, I can hear the motor. Okay. I can hear that noise.
0: Okay. Um, no warning lights of any kind. I know I asked you this. I just want to be sure. No check engine light. no Nothing. Engine, Nothing. engine runs dead smooth. No other issues.
3: Burnt like a kitten. Okay. Uh, it's bone stock except for a and All
0: right. Then the only other comment I would want to make, because obviously we're just thinking about rotating mass, is if you were to take the belts off, start it up, and obviously not run it long, but just run it long enough, you know, bring it up to seventeen hundred two grand. Wherever you hear that noise now, do you still hear that noise? If you do hear that noise, then yeah, okay. It's 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 not alternator. It's not water pump. It's not AC compressor and so forth. And uh, you know, start thinking about oil pressure and doing an oil pressure test, and possibly that oil pump O ring.
3: And obviously, I don't. Ha- I'm going by the factory gauge. I, I've not mm-hmm. hooked a me- mechanical gauge to
0: right. it. Did, did you get that bulletin number that I gave you?
3: Yes, I did sir. okay,
0: yeah, um get a look at that, and if you need any more information, ron at cardoctorshow.com. dot com shoot me an email all right, thanks a lot you're very welcome. Good luck to you um it, very important you know it's 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 always back to the basics. I also had another conversation I wanted to bring up here, um, but you know what let me let me just tell this quick story. So I went to a cruise night last night. I have to tell this because this is really starting to Where is it written that and I couldn't understand this. I took the hot rod over to bootin. Up here in North Jersey, and we were over there at the Walmart parking lot. And I couldn't get over the fact that people are fascinated with the fact that the car has an inspection sticker on it. It just boggled my mind. I had three, four, maybe five questions. Why do you have an inspection sticker on it? Well, because it's registered in New Jersey and it needs an inspection. Why don't you put QQs on it? I don't want to put QQs on it. Why not? I don't know. It's my car. It's America. I thought this is the way I would do it. I'd rather have a vehicle that's inspected. And, um, you know, it, to me, that's just the way I wanted to do it. What difference does it make? What is it with people that it really bothers them that you drive and build your car your way and not to what they want? I don't understand that. And to the guy that came up to me and he said, you know, it's a nice car, but if it were mine, I wouldn't put the hood scoop on it. I wouldn't put the roll bar in it. and I'd change the wheels and tires. I'm going to repeat what I said to you. Well then, I'm glad it's not yours cuz this is the way I did mine. Let me know when yours comes out. I want to see how good that looks. 8555609900. I'm running Annie and the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Car Doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. By the way, that's the Car Doctor's twenty four seven number. If you call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero anytime, day or night, this radio show is broadcast two to four p.m. Eastern Time over our network to the affiliates. And if they're on a delayed broadcast, if you're in a part of the country that you know can't listen to the show live, and you're getting it on delay, you're listening to it on podcast. And for those of you in New York by the way I should point back out I should point out that we are back on in New York live on AM 1700 WRCR so you can tune us in live there Saturdays 2 to 4 p.m. but my point is that 855-560-9900 is a 24/7 service you can call that number leave a message and Fast Harry our executive producer will call you back going back to the cruise I just want to get this off my chest so what I want everybody to do is next week here's the deal next week I want everybody to show up and you be the judge. Should the hot rod have an inspection sticker, yes or no? Should I put QQs on it, or should I leave it the way it is right now with a legal New Jersey inspection sticker and a regular set of license plates? Let's get – oh, explain a QQ. A QQ plate in New Jersey means it's an antique. Anything – I think it's 25 years or older. Um, they They feel like it's not an everyday driver, so you don't need to go through inspection. And my way of thinking is – Since the hot rod would pass inspection, I mean, how else can I say this? If you're driving down the road in a black 55 Chevy with a hood scoop, big tires, and loud exhaust, you know, you kind of get everybody's attention, and sometimes you get the attention of the boys in blue, and some of them aren't so understanding, and if that vehicle has an inspection sticker on it, it kind of makes everybody happy. So I'm just out there trying to keep the peace and uh, stay out of the limelight if that's possible. I guess that's kind of a... That's probably not really correct. Driving a black 55 with loud exhaust and a hood scoop, and something that looks like American graffiti. But beside the point. So come on out to the Sheridan in Mawa next weekend at the uh, Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Party, and you guys be the judge. It'll be parked right next to me, under the watchful eye of Daniel He'll be with me to. Uh, he's playing security on the car next week, but um, should be a great and a good time for one and all. Hey, there's another hour of Car Doctor. Coming up next for those of you that are lucky enough to get it, but I can see by the hands of the Great Favog, this one has come and gone. Till the next time, I'm Ronananey and the Car Doctor reminding you the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.